Hello, everyone. Welcome to Neon Genesis Evanglorio, presented by Pilgrimage to Mecca. Are you happy? There we go. <laughs> well, that suffice. Uh, My I, client is pleased for now. Do, do I need? Do I need to put that like before the intro music? Like, you know, the following <laughs> is a presentation by of uh, you know. Do it like a podcast ahead. Uh, this do this like podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. All right, do it fucking PBS style. Like, yeah, this program viewers would not like have been you. possible without without pilgrimage to Mecca and viewers like you. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, uh, as noted, this is uh, Neon Genesis Evanglorio, our podcast where we do episode-to-episode discussion on the iconic 1995 sci-fi mecha anime Neon Genesis Evangelion. I'm your host, Jell, and I have my co-hosts, Iroh. Still here. Still here, as as always. And uh, G. I am raring and ready to go to talk about some robots. Yes, and there are actually robots to talk about this week in this next block of episodes. We're going to be talking about uh, episodes uh, 7 through 9. There are some robots. We also get, it's probably dominated by the appearance of, you know, know, the number one waifu, the goat, uh, Asuka herself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There are some angry people based, you know, making such a a large claim. (laughs) They can all come fight me personally. Uh, I, 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 I mean, we, we get the Asuka's character lately, but uh, <laughs> even I myself, I have no, I have no horse in this race, and I'm going to say <laughs> maybe I'm side eyeing the idea of anybody waifuing Asuka because of, uh, yes, know, just her personality. Yes, I thought you would be all over that. I am. Uh, I mean, of course, I am joking somewhat, but I think there are some merits uh-huh. to her impact on the uh, the waifu game, if you will. But uh, as a Jill, whole, we man, won't we won't ask you to like publicize any like angry forum posts you made back in the late nineties about you know look, the Ray Osaka Wars of nineteen ninety nine. That that just that just goes back to a like deep seated need to piss off Ray fans. That's all <laughs> that I can get behind. So <laughs> man, leave that to Ikuhara. <laughs> so uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll try to find a way to work that in later iroh but uh <laughs> anyway so yes um episodes uh seven through nine uh we kind of wrap up a bit of our prologue and get into asuka appearing which i think is kind of interesting because we meet uh asuka and uh and uh, uh kaji in episode eight which i feel like even in a 24 to 26 episode series is kind of late to introduce like characters that important but uh, we got him. So, I mean, you know, we could always get into this idea of like, yeah, especially a character like Asuka, who is considered, you know, so iconic. She's been an opening series, this right? whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like she's unquestionably one of the main characters. So, like, yeah, that's, you know, but uh, but also like looking at episodes one through six, I feel like all of them are essential. So, yeah, like there is no like. You know, we can we probably shouldn't lead off with our thematic discussion of these three episodes five minutes in. But, you know, there's definitely something to be said about the idea that, like, Asuka as a character could not really exist in the version of Evangelion that is episodes one through six. And, like, her introduction kind of ushers in a new, like, a shift in the tone and, like, thematic vibe of what Evangelion becomes in this uh, uh, section. Yeah. Right. Yep. So um, let's get into that then. And we'll start with episode seven, entitled A Human Work. Mm-hmm. So uh, we 
we've just left off after the uh, after Operation Yashima. They've defeated the Angel with the big ass sniper rifle. And right. uh, big surprise, Gendo's still up to stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do like. Uh, I don't know if we'll get it because it's only incidental shots. I don't know if we'll really get to it uh, during discussion, but. All through these, through like three episodes, we get shots of the corpse of the angel they killed in episode six being like yeah. slowly dismantled. Yes. Yeah, you see it with like the big, like melting, like it's all melted with the big hole in it. And then you're right, you kind of see it. Big cranes, let's just take it apart. Take it apart that. Time. Yes, yes. I, I very much enjoyed that stuff, you know, just. It kind, of, you know, it kind of gets into the vibe of, you know, what I've accepted now is my brand of bullshit of just like. Yo, this monster doesn't just melt and disappear after he gets beat, you know? Like, somebody's got to take this damn thing I mean, apart. Although, like, half of them in this show do, in fact, just explode. It, yes, I mean, sure, yes, that's a good point. Like, well, it's I mean, kinda... <laughs> the previous one had the whole, like, autopsy thing and everything going, right? Like, Yes, with the chalk right. and shit. So, but, uh... anyway, we we see Gendo, he's up to something, he's hiding, hiding information, there's a little bit of foreshadowing about uh, what happens later on in the episode. But uh, that kind of gives way to the real intro of our episode where we see Shinji just kind of going about his daily life and seems to be pretty comfortable. Yeah, we get to the, in, you know? yeah, we get into the real important part of this episode, which is uh, Misato's day drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, you, yes. don't, you don't get up at like, you know, 9 a.m. You just need a fucking beer. Just a pound of cold one first thing in the Man, morning. Man, I fucking wish I could live that life. Uh, I would probably throw up, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So we see Shinji seems to be adjusting pretty well. Finally, he's yeah pushing I, back on Masato's terrible life decisions. He's got his friends got some sass. Cool, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I kind of want to do get into a little bit here, but I feel like one of the biggest takeaways from this trio of episodes is. Shinji's getting a lot better in these episodes. Like, I I don't know, like, if all it really took was blasting the fuck out of a diamond-shaped monster, but, like, <laughs> it seems to have given Shinji, like, you know, the confidence he needed to, like, backtalk like like, a little bit more. definitively has, like, friends now, right? Compared yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. Even, even as much as, like, last week, you know... Totally. And I guess it's like, I don't want to call it like a sudden shift in character, but like, you know, just compared to, you know, the Shinji that, you know, of like episode like, four, yeah. yeah, of episode four, right? It's like, kid suddenly just had that turn and it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe crap. if you ask me, it sounds like actually getting into a giant robot is in fact good uh, for well, emotional health and well-being. Let's not get out of ourselves here. <laughs> I mean, was it the robot or is it the fact that he has like a actual support system probably more so than he's yeah. ever had in his life now or whatever? But, I'm, uh, I'm, well, you know, the giant robot is a part of that support system. I, I do. I do imagine – piloting a giant robot and shooting a giant rifle powered by all the electricity in Japan uh, and successfully defeating this terrible monster would instill a level, certain level of confidence in a 14-year-old boy. Yes. At least enough uh, confidence <laughs> to fucking sass Misato about her fucking nightmare living habits. At least, so, at least enough to give her a hard time about cracking open a cold one at first thing in the morning. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was, that's kind of we kind of get that neat little update on Shinji's current status. I also liked how they had the like uh 
they kind of recycle the bit with him and Pen Pen eating the toast to kind of show this is now his uh, daily routine or whatever. And he's kind of settled in. Um, So that's kind of fun. Uh, I guess less fun is uh, we kind of cut away into several different scenes, getting into details about the, you know, the real cost of what just happened uh, with Operation Yashima. Uh, We had some bits with... um, Ritsuko and Misato talking about it. We we had a, the great visual of uh, Misato's desk with all like the like complaint forms and everything. Yes, uh, <laughs> piled up on her desk, and uh, they kind of talk a bit about um, you know Misato's point is you know we're trying to save the world. You know why does like the cost of stuff matter? And it's like well like people need to still like live and stuff. Like you can't, <laughs> yeah, no, I, interesting. I, I, Go ahead, G. Yeah. I actually really like this conversation and I'll save my Digard talk for the end of this episode, but like it's bits like this that kind of start to get into like maybe actually one of my favorite things about Evangelion, which is like, cause, cause I think like when people talk about Evangelion's reputation, they talk about, Oh man, Evangelion is like asking the real questions about mecha anime, you know? And it's like, but I feel like it's actually conversations like these that actually nail that aspect of the quote unquote real costs of, of mecha anime, right? It's, there's that great line. I forget which one says it. That says, uh, they say a uh, man cannot live by Eva alone. <laughs> like it kind of gets this idea of like, look, yes, of course nerve is doing well on the surface. Nerve is doing the important job of fighting back against the angels and, you know, fighting to protect mankind. But like, Y'all, people got to live their day to day. Like people are going to have their personal politics. Like people are going to like have their you know petty infighting and bickering. Like y- you know, like y- y- I think everybody has that naive hope of like, oh man, like you know what would actually unite humanity would be like an alien invasion. Like everybody would put aside their differences. But like yep. as a certain 1988 science fiction OVA has told us, <sighs> like even in the face of complete annihilation, like. Nah, people are going to be petty as fuck anyways. Yeah, no, I, I, I was also thinking that same thing with this episode. Just like you always see in, you know, a lot of science fiction, there's always some big event that unites Earth or whatever. And, and this is like a much more, I think, I wouldn't even say cynical. I'd say it's realistic. I mean, yeah. that, you know, there's going to be people fighting over resources, people not agreeing on what is the best way to deal with the problem. Um you know, even even you know, at its highest level, everyone probably still wants to kill the angels, but they just don't. Yeah. They just don't agree on that. And you know, I think it's like obviously this show does not get into the same like you know, Legend of the Galactic tier, Legend of the Galactic Heroes tier, like examinations of individual viewpoints. But you think about like Nerve as an organization, right? It's like from an outside observation, like if it, if it were not for the results that Nerve like sort of semi consistently like you know, brought to the table, you'd be like, why are we funneling all of this money into this, <laughs> like, extremely shadowy organization, like this, like this fucking cabal, tech cabal <laughs> of, like, you know, fucking Illuminati-esque figures, you know, meeting in darkened rooms. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think we'll get kind of into that discussion uh, in, a, in a second here. Uh, but I, I did want to mention kind of on the, the tail end of this uh, this segment, we did get uh, well, Ritsuko ends up dropping the truth about Second Impact, 
Which Bef- I, thought- I mean, but actually before that, we also have a bit with Gendo on a plane talking with dudes um, and oh, saying yeah, that yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. we're starting to build Ava unit like 06 through 8 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, throw some shade kinda, at America in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I do kind of love that piece of incidental dialogue because like, again, like people say like, oh, Eva isn't like other mecha anime, but the very like the very piece of dialogue of let's hint at other cool robots, but not show them is like the fucking oldest trick in the mecha anime playbook. Uh, well, now we can sell it as a toy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> no, we might not show it now, but we're definitely leaving the door open in case, like, the merchandising opportunity comes later. Yeah, so we, we've only seen two, and they're talking about six. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Like I was saying, I like the, the – they threw the, the shade at America, where it's basically like America's putting up the front like they don't want to approve this, but they, they will because they're uh, – I forget the exact line. Something about they're allergic to unemployment or something like that. Just, uh... <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. Like anyway, you, don't usually, uh, you don't usually think of Evangelion as like the you know social socio political commentary stuff, but there is quite a bit of that in this particular episode, anyways. I think, um, yeah, which is kind of probably maybe more incidental to the main plot, but. They 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 they, sh- they shoot some sh- shoot some shots. I can say that. I mean, I think I think it does a good job of just kind of like kind of subtly layering, you know, stuff on on the edges of of the narrative and the setting. You know, like obviously, Evangelion is at least up to what we've seen is not the kind of show that is going to get into the like geopolitical situation of like the world of Evangelion, at least for now, anyways. But like. You know, it help it helps layer it, the setting a little bit more, so it feels more nuanced. It feels more filled out. You know, so like, right? It, it helps make the setting feel larger than just like the Tokyo Three, which is like basically all we ever see in yeah. this show. Yeah, and it kind of sets a believable context for Nerve's existence and why everybody hates them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, so as I was saying, they. You know, this eventually leads to we kind of get the the reveal of the truth behind Second Impact, and uh, you know the that it was not what the history books tells you. It was not a meteor, meteor, or an asteroid, or whatever, but it was actually uh, was uh, considered the first angel. Uh, they were it was somewhere in the South Pole and just mysteriously exploded, um, and you know they are trying to prevent third impact uh, mm-hmm. with whatever the angels are attempting to do currently. Um, I thought it, it is, I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize, and this is a, uh, again, going to the platinum notes here. This is the only mention in show about first impact and all right, it is. There's like a textbook page or something, right? Yeah. There's like a, yeah. There's like a textbook page and it talks about first impact. It's kind of a world war one situation originally known as giant impact. Uh, from and then they called it first impacts retroactively after second impact happened, but uh, apparently there was another quote unquote uh, asteroid or something that hit Earth four billion years ago, and that was the first impact. And then uh, they're they're calling right. It's like there was a it's the like hypothesis that something smashed into Earth and blew a big chunk out of it that became the moon, right? Right, right. Yeah, some kind of crazy thing like that was what the uh what it says 
I, I actually I thought that was I thought that was interesting because I thought they mentioned that other places and everything. And it's, that's the only time they ever mentioned it, and it's only like for a split second on a textbook page. So maybe I've just read too much supplementary <laughs> material <laughs> at this point. I can't remember what was in the show or what it wasn't. Like the angel names, I, I never even occurred to me that the angel names are not in the show. Uh, so. So yes, we right. gotta have the the first, second, third impact outlined, and we are trying to prevent third impact currently. Uh, so the from from there, I think the episode kind of pivots a bit because we we have the contrast of uh, our earlier s- sequences with everybody eating breakfast and Masato downing a beer to uh, you know this time she's serious one this for this for this uh, particular yeah. Event. Yes, I, I like the trick of looping the same footage from the beginning of the episode. Uh, the beginning of the episode, except this time outsteps fucking business mode, Misato. Yes, she flips like, the switch. No time for morning beers today. I've I've got got to I've go got to a meeting. Shady shit to do. <laughs> yes, and so uh, Misato and uh, Ritsuko head off to this uh, this big event. Where it turns out somebody else has made a giant robot. Hell yeah! Um, so this other organization has uh, built this robot that seems to specifically address all the problems with the Evangelians. Uh, <laughs> right? It doesn't need a plug. Doesn't need a plug. It's got a reactor inside of it, which I have right. to say and is pr- uh... not still probably not a smart idea to have put a nuclear reactor in something that's going to be getting shot. I don't know at. what you're talking about. Dude. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've watched Gundam. Uh, they have assured me that Minovsky particles are completely safe. Uh, that a reactor has never exploded uh, in, in Gundam to disastrous effects. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's that. And it does not rely on 14 year old children's uh, mental state. Right. To operational. Right. They even, go, specifically uh, they, they even specifically point out that it's not even piloted, like it is remote controlled. Right. Which uh, I found is like, <clears throat> like in many ways, like at least on the surface, I do like the jet alone bit because like it does seem like a realistic take on like, like real scientists in this world were like, okay, what are all the problems with the Evangelion units? Like, how do we make something that fixes all of that? So it does feel kind of like a point by point, like, a counter to the Eva units. Right. And uh, I mean, we even, we even said it in one of the earlier episodes, like all those caveats with the Evangelians must be there for a reason, right? Like, and th- this is like kind of establishing that, you know, people are thinking about this, so there must be a reason. Yeah. Uh, they- but then we also kind of get into like, kind of throughout this whole episode, right? Like they kind of intersparse these bits and pieces that kind of hint that like, Nerve is not like sitting quietly while the jet alone program is happening. Like they kind of, I mean, they kind of make it blatant at the end of the episode, but they kind of string in bits and pieces all throughout this episode that like they are at least implied to like be doing some like internal, internal like sabotage of the jet alone program. Oh yes. By the end that's confirmed. Like that's not right. Right. But I do kind of like, but I kind of like this because like it it, it very much kind of speaks to, again, the very like real world politics, like even despite Misato herself saying, Hey, we're just trying to save the world. Like even she is like, you know, I mean, she's maybe not like, you know, an explicit actor in, in this sabotage or at least it is, you know, implied anyways, but like, 
But, you know, she is part of an organization that <laughs> is not immune she, to the petty infighting of of uh, these various organizations. Right. Nerve has an interest for. So, yeah, we so that, that that's a good point. Like, we don't know 100 percent for sure if the jet alone would have been successful at some point. They did mention they do mention the AT field. The AT field. Like, yes. So, uh, but, you know, would they have been able to figure out a way to deal with the AT field? Who knows? But uh, apparently it was enough of a threat that Nerve felt they needed to be dealt with. And an interesting point, too, on Masato, because once she finds out, she doesn't do anything about it. Um, But uh, anyway, we'll we'll get to that in a bit here. Um, So they show up. Somebody else has made a robot. And uh, they're kind of here for this big demonstration. We have the, the like head creator guy giving this big long speech where he breaks down why this is so much better than the Evangelions. Uh, he does some trash talking about nerve. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ritsko tries to, st- you know, stand up to him. Um, I think my favorite line in this entire speech was uh, the guy's like, you're not saying that science in the human heart will tame that beast. <laughs> and it's <Ritsuko laughs> just like, yep. Uh so they kind of go back and forth on that for a bit, but it's uh, eventually time for the actual demonstration of the the big robot. And so they, they fire this bad boy up and uh, does not take very long before things go downhill. This thing with its floppy Castle in the Sky arms. Oh, man, I fucking love Jet Alone. Like, like without even design. a hint of irony, I think I, I love its design. I love the way it runs. Like, <laughs> get a load is great. I, I can't. I will never be able to forgive Nerve for sabotaging my precious boy Jet Alone. Such a a, 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 a precious, you know, upstart with so much potential. Uh, fucking murdered in the crib. Did they ever make Jet Alone toys? I'm sure they did, right? Like they had to have made toys of everything from everything. Uh, I don't know if Jet Alone would have qualified for that. I mean, <laughs> like a fucking a, like one off, like goofy ass like motherfucker. A capsule toy or something. I don't know. I just, oh, sure. Yeah. I could see that. They, they had to make something, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a neat design. You get like the big, uh, like the, the, the cylinders coming out of it when the, the mm-hmm. reactor powers up and everything and like the cooling cylinder things. And yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty neat design. But it does not go well. Um, it takes like three steps before it starts melting. Or actually, no, it, it starts running away and towards a city and melting down. Yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we get another kind of uh, not so subtle biting commentary here. Oh, when, uh, yeah, they try to stop the jet alone uh, because right. yeah. all the conventional means are not working. And Masato's like, well, there has to be some kind of kill switch or something, right? Like, you can't tell me you guys can't just, like, cut the power or something or just, like, shut it off or whatever. I guess you can't cut the power, but... Yeah, I mean, it's got an reactor. It can run for 150 days consecutively. Way better than having galleons. <laughs> Until it goes out of control towards the city while it's melting down. Uh, but yeah, so she's like, you know, you guys have to have some kind of kill switch or something. And the, the head guy's like, well, there's a password, but I got to get approval and all this stuff. And they go through this, like, hilarious... Well, hilarious and also kind of sad sequence of of uh, red tapes where right, he's like, right. Right. you 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 see this like montage of like bureaucrats increasingly passing passing the buck like up the ladder, 
being like, oh, well, that's 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 not my authorization or, oh, no, 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 I can't make that decision right now. I'm very busy playing golf. Yeah, you know, when, it's when, like, when they get to the guy playing re- golf. Give me, like... give me a request in writing, please. Right. <laughs> it's just like people would just complete, you know, just, you know, just keep passing it off to somebody else because nobody wants to be, you know, nobody wants to be the guy who has to take responsibility for this. Right. Even though they literally have like minutes before like a city gets nuked, right? Like nobody's, right. everyone's just looking out for themselves, which I think was a line earlier in the episode. I forget who said it, it might have been Reed's Codes who says it, that like, you know, all these higher ups are only like concerned about their own survival. But, uh, so, you know, Misato's kind of uh, had enough and she comes up with another one of her crazy plans. Where she, Sato and her zany schemes. <laughs> she's like, well, I'm just going to call in, uh, you know, unit one. I'm going to have Shinji hold the thing as best he can. And I'm going to climb in there myself and disable the uh, the reactor. As you do. As you do. And I guess her, her speech is inspiring enough that some of the crew, you know, is like, all right, well, we're going to help you out. And finally, after the crew gives in, the, the, like, the main guy is like, okay, well, here's the password. And so we get like our fun little sequence where, you know, unit one flies in some, some great animation here just of like the unit one, like running him down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just fucking so chasing after him and, uh, you know, just grabbing, you know, grab, grab him on the back while he's still flailing around with his, with his weird goofy run. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Masato gets in there. Obviously it's like super dangerous and dramatic. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, down. the password <laughs> right. doesn't work. Right. The password mysteriously doesn't work. Yes. Strangely that enough. If somebody intentionally, again, fucking ensure that any possible thing to like prevent this, you know, uh, catastrophe was intentionally sabotaged. Yes. And so she, she's finally resorting to like trying to like push the cylinders out herself or something like that. And, uh, of course at the very last minute, uh, they pop out and the day is saved. Uh, you know, then, uh, it's at that point. So, okay. So I, I it's, it's obviously clear because Masato says that somebody did this on purpose. Uh, uh-huh. was the yes. goal for the, what, what I wasn't clear on was the goal for jet alone to blow up or, and she stopped it or was the goal to have it stop like before it blew up all along. So I think I think the goal is to have it stop right before it blew up all along, and uh, have it be like, "Oh, this is too dangerous to keep making." Like, there's almost a nuclear explosion. That's that's what I thought because it looked like Masada was pushing, and that was not going to move. Her no, I, I mean, I I was almost going to take the even more cynical take that it was going to uh, blow up. <laughs> that Nerva was going to be was happy to let Jet alone like blow up, and only when they found out that Masato was actually in there that they were like. Oh shit! We should probably deactivate this. I, mean, does, I don't know. Does Gendo care enough about Misato? Yeah, does Gendo care enough about Masato for that? Like, I don't know. Well, the the Eva Unit One was also on the premises. Yeah, like, but Eva Unit One like, can survive because it's got an AT field. Yeah, that, they, sure, but you know, they they did say, uh, um, they did say at the end, you know, everything went according to plan except for, uh, you know, Major Katsuragi, right? Uh, which they. So like I, it didn't seem like, I like I still I still couldn't I still wasn't like a hundred percent clear if like that was exactly the plan or they were just like well that's good enough we've we've scared them enough to you know shut this down or whatever, 
So I don't know. I guess either way, the end result is the same. I just. Yeah. I mean, I think the point is like, you know, regardless of the actual results, the point is that like we have seen proof that like of nerves, intentional, you know, shady fucking shit. Like, again, you know, as they say, right, like we have no proof that Jet alone would have actually been useful or like a valuable asset against the, you know, in the fight against the angels. But like, you know, the point is that like, you know, nerve at least considered it enough of a threat. And, like, again, not even a threat to themselves, like, a threat to, like, you know, their budget, their funding, right? Like, their, their shady goals or whatever. Right. Like, you know, it, it, it definitely, you know, it, it definitely speaks to, you know, this idea that of, like, what Masato and Ritsuko were talking about at the very beginning of this episode of, like, this is human nature, right? And, like, Nerve is certainly not immune to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh... But yeah, you know, I I uh, I really like this episode. You know, like I think uh, it, it, it's you know it's got your like '90s kind of goofy anime bullshit, but then it's also got like you know some genuine like sort of intrigue going on in the background as well. Yeah, there's a little bit of you know, a little bit of weight to it. Yeah, and I think I mean I think that's the thing we kind of see with these next three episodes is like the the content is portrayed fa- in a fairly like lighthearted manner uh compared to the prior six episodes but like there is still that kind of like you know constant undercurrent of like you know mostly shady shit from nerve <laughs> like, right you know just like th- there's this constant like feeling of like oh you know obviously things are not as they seem right and like there are movers and shakers going on like you know, beyond what, you know, Shinji might be aware of. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, they, they stopped Jet Alone. The day is saved. Uh, it's still all according to Keikaku for Gendo. And uh, we, <laughs> As yes. we see, uh, we kind of end on uh, a bit with um, kind of confirming what we were saying earlier about Shinji, you know, having his support system now, because he, he's complaining about Masato's terrible lifestyle to uh, Kensuke and Toji, and they're like, man, you sure are lucky, dude, because, you know, she's she's comfortable being that open with you. It's like you guys are family, so. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a nice Audi- bit. Audience there. goes, aww, and yeah. you know, roll credits. credits. <laughs> yes, yes, I mean, but I mean, yes, but yes, for a character like Shinji, like that moment is fairly important because it kind of confirms, okay, like as you said, like the the beginning of the establishment of something of a support network for him. And I think you know we always, you know, anime always kind of you know waxes lyrical about the power of friendship and all that stuff. But like, you know, I think when done well, that trope is still very effective. You know, right. showing mm-hmm. like the importance of relationships, you know, in, in people's lives to, you know, to, uh, to help carry them, you know, through their day to day. Right. And it, 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 it's just, I like, I like shows, whether you like the characters or not, whatever, just care when you see characters grow based on and change based on like their circumstances and things that are happening. And yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, like, again, you know, Shinji's way better in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, uh, uh, yes. and I, I think it is appropriate that, uh, you know, according to the Platinum Notes, they mentioned specifically that episodes one through seven, they considered the, the prologue arc. And so hmm, that's uh, that, we have 
gotten to sure. gotten to know Shinji. We've gotten to know Masato, seen their relationship. We 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 met Ray and Gendo. Uh, you know, we learned about the Evangelians, about Nerve, in at least Nerve specifically in Japan, and then got we've had you know moments like this episode where we kind of get the broader context of what's going on in the world. We kind of have a good idea at this point of like the situation that they're in. Yes, yes, they have kind of firmly established the uh, the the setting, you know, with these kind of seven episodes. Right. So we can just uh, uh, go ahead and blow it up now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, before we before we move on to episode eight, uh, uh, I know that, like, again, because I've kind of told you guys what this tangent is about, but like, and I know uh-huh. maybe is more relevant because this person directed episode nine, but. I think the premise of this episode is where I'm going to feel the need to finally bring up the uh, the 1999 uh, mecha anime Die Guard. And uh, so Die Guard, again, 1999. So this is like, what, three, four years after Evangelion airs. Uh, Post-Gaugai-Gar. Yes, a post-Gaugai-Gar world, <laughs> a post-Ava world. And... Uh, most notably, it was directed by uh, Seiji Mizushima, uh, who notably directed episodes 9 through 12 of Evangelion. And so you might be asking, well, why am I bringing this up at episode 7? And uh, the reason why I just want to bring it up now is because I feel like I am now like 100% convinced that Die Guard must have taken inspiration from the Jet Alone episode of Evangelion. But also because, like, I think on the whole, I think I would be confident in saying Die Guard is probably one of the best responses the uh, the mecha genre has ever come up with uh, in response to Evangelion. Uh, yeah, I know we've touched on this. Sorry, I mean, I'm not sorry to interrupt you. I'm just, I know we've touched on this no, no, past, no, the past a little bit, but yeah, if you want to get into specifics on 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 why you would say that. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think some people know that, like, I I have sometimes uh, poo-pooed on Evangelion, but I think I've always tried to make it clear that, like, any ill will I hold towards Evangelion is definitely more towards the legacy of Evangelion more than the show itself, you know, kind of just, you know, the numerous, like, the way the mecha genre kind of twisted and contorted itself in response to what Evangelion did and how, you know most of those responses kind of ended up more on the like Razifon slash darling in the Franks end of the spectrum <laughs> of responses to Evangelion, like kind of ill thought out kind of surface level only like people watch Evangelion and they're like, Oh, mechs, mechs should be about cross shaped explosions and Jesus imagery and mysticism. But like, didn't really like, didn't really like respond to the work and and instead i think die guard which you know based on its aesthetic kind of looks like a like kind of looks like a gal guy gar you know adjacent anime um but the reason i think it's such a great response is because like basically stop me if you've heard this premise before but uh japan gets attacked by uh, a, a creature called a heterodyne that uh goes on a rampage in tokyo uh it is immune to all uh, conventional weaponry, you know, until they are forced to deploy a, a, a nuke to destroy it. And uh, in the wake of its devastation, uh, a giant robot known as Diegard is constructed by a private uh, a private corporation, you know, kind of like subsidized by the military to fight against uh, future heterodyne attacks. 
And then 12 years pass, and no more heterodynes show up. And uh, the giant robot is kind of mothballed and kind of used as a PR stunt because otherwise it's kind of seen as kind of a giant financial boondoggle for the company. But uh, then heterodyne starts showing up again 12 years later, and uh, now it is up to the uh, the public relations second division, a kind of backwater corner of this company who is like the only section of the company left that still has trained mecha pilots uh, still on their payroll to, uh, to, to rise to the occasion and defend the world. And the reason I bring up Diegard is I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, unlike a lot of like mecha anime in a post Eva world where I feel like they kind of like slavishly copied Ava or like it's like surface level, you know, traits. I feel like Diegard like is a mecha anime that actually was like, okay, let's take a look at the premise of Evangelion and like kind of give it our own spin. Because, like, a lot of, like, Die Guard is, like, because it's, like, it's a robot owned by a private corporation, like, a lot of, you know, some of it's played for comedy and some of it's played for drama is, like, the red tape. Like, how many, you know, how many divisions of the company have to, like, pass paperwork through to authorize Die Guard to launch? You know, like, how many, like, stacks of paperwork have to be signed, you know, because of, like, the public damage it causes, you know? Like, there's an episode where Die Guard, like, because it doesn't have like any actual weaponry, like it like basically picks up a car and like <laughs> throws it at like the angel equivalent, and then the next day they get a huge stack of paper and be like, "Yo, you picked up like a private citizen's car and like totaled it." Like somebody has to cover Somebody's this. Somebody has to it, yep. take responsibility. Like some manager is gonna have to bow in front of a TV to like be, "I'm sorry, we destroyed that car," and like. I'm sorry, Diegard tripped and fell face first into a skyscraper. And I guess the thing is, like, kind of like Pat Labor, and I think a lot like Evangelion, Diegard is all about, like, the human cost of Mecha, and not even, like, the human cost in terms of, like, actual lives being lost, but the human cost of, like, how does a city, how does a government, how do a people as a whole, like, you know, react and live with the premise of a giant robot, you know, fucking doing its dumbass giant robot things in their city. Right. And, and I guess like, I get, and I guess like the reason I think it's such a good response is because like it gets, it, it, it kind of asks the same questions as Evangelion of like who in their right mind would step into a giant robot and what would getting into a giant robot like do to their mental state and their emotional state. And like, I think Diegard's response is, like, it's kind of more positive, but it's still, like, a meaningful dialogue with Evangelion, you know? Like, Diegard's response is, like, yeah, you're right, kind of giant robots do suck, but, like, also, someone has to do it, and, like, that work is valid and worth doing. And so, like, as a result, I think, like, you know, again, like, is Diegard kind of a more traditional mecha anime? Yes, kind of. Is it still more about, like, you know, the the importance of heroics and teaming up to like fight the bad guys and all that stuff. It kind of is, but like, I think like, you know, also in a lot of ways, it is, uh, 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 one of the best and like most thoughtful responses, uh, to, to Evangelion. So what you're telling me is that Evangelion's influence has been nothing but positive. <laughs> Did you not just hear me say "Darling in the Franks" earlier in this podcast? Oh, what are you talking about? Uh, what show was that? <laughs> Never heard of it. 
yes, I too try to wipe that from my memory as much as possible. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, and I can. I mean, even just describing that, I can see how you you might you would you would see the DNA of uh, of that in this episode in episode seven. Totally. I mean, like even more specifically, like one of the major plot lines of Die Guard is. Like, event- originally, Diegard is the only robot they have. It's the only giant robot, so, like, they have to use it to fight the monsters. But, like, halfway through the show, the military finalizes the development of their own Diegard unit. And, like, their unit is piloted by, like, trained military soldiers and not, like, a bunch of, like, literal bureaucrats and middle managers. Right. Like, and... The the, the, the the dynamic changes, and, like, and there's a conflict. But then, init- eventually, like... Eventually, what happens, though, is, like, and again, this maybe speaks to, like, Diegard's, like, much more positive spin on on it all, but eventually Diegard and the military, like, they come to a mutual respect for each other because they're like, hey, wait a minute, like, why are we fighting? Like, like, we're all here for the same reason. We're all here to protect humanity and, like, fight the monsters. Like, yeah, like, we do things differently than you guys, but, like, at the end of the day, we're all here for the same reason. Right. And then they like shake hands and beat up the monster, and it's all feel good. <laughs> <laughs> ah, if only it were that simple. Okay, hold on. I thought you. I thought you were saying Die Guard was like realistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, look, it, it, you know, it's just a little bit more positive. I think it's not, about it's an it optimistic all. way of looking at it. Uh, yes, but uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think you could definitely draw the line there of, of influence um, to that here, for sure. And then also to shill it real quickly, uh, I wrote a pilgrimage to Mecca post on the blog about Diegard. In fact, I think it was the one of the first pilgrimage to Mecca posts I ever did. <laughs> so if you want to read more about Diegard, you should check that out on theglorioblog.com. Right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, link that, <laughs> I'll link that in the post when I put uh, timestamp G rants about Diegard. And I'll, I'll, link the, uh, <laughs> I'll link that in there for everybody. All right. So uh, as we're saying, episode one through seven, uh, according to the Platinum Notes, finishes the prologue arc. And starting with episode eight is what they are calling the action arc. The one where we start getting a lot more robots fighting monsters every week. Uh, sure. Where... Ava becomes a mech anime, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we kick things off in episode eight with the very appropriately entitled Asuka Strikes, or uh, Asuka Arrives in Japan is the Japanese title. And, uh, you know, we've already uh, kind of mentioned this is the, the block where Asuka appears. So we, we kick things off in this episode with Shinji and Masato. And for some reason, I don't know how they got clearance, Kensuke and Toji. Uh, are, I feel like in many ways, like that is like perfect if you want to change the tone into a more traditional mecha anime. Is just like the kids are here for some reason. We don't know right. why. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense to have Shinji, but I have no idea why Kensuke and Toji are there. Uh, right, right. Like the, the tag along they've, they've ridden in an Ava before. It's fine. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, this seems like it was going to be like a low risk mission, right? Like you know. They're, they're flying out to the Pacific to rendezvous with the U.S. Navy who are escorting Evangelion Unit 2, which is uh, yes. being uh, taken to Japan because I guess that's where all the action's at from uh, Nerve yeah, Germany. It's where, the, it's where the angels are attacking demonstrably. Yes. So they've, they're, they're transferring Unit 2 along with the, its pilot, the second child, over to, uh, to uh, Nerve Japan from Nerve Germany. And... 
on the deck of this uh, old aircraft car- carrier, we we get to meet Asuka in the most anime fashion possible. I guess both girls have been introduced or whatever in the most anime anime <laughs> way is possible. Uh, <laughs> yes, there's this goofy bit here of uh, everyone's walking, presumably just walking by the uh, on the aircraft carrier, but they're all just walking past this still frame of military dudes like smiling. Yes, it's so good. It's like those dudes are like just a still frame, Stock like fucking still. They're like a, it's like a fucking like background for like Street Fighter Two or some shit. Like yeah, just yeah. like they're just sprites in the background that aren't even moving. It's so good. Yeah. So uh, Asuka being the you know the prototype of the the tsundere, uh, the modern tsundere, uh, <laughs> of course, ends up the. There's a gust of wind, and the boys see her panties, and she has to smack them in the oh, face. No. But uh, that's a way to instantly contrast her with Ray, who got groped and was just like, whatever, didn't right. react. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, there's a lot of something. Something. Another accident happens, and she just beats the shit out of her. <laughs> I thought it was. Uh... And then she pulls his fucking pants down. Cause oh yeah, Toji. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Dude, I was like, I was so, I was like, man, Toji, you're all right. Like, you're a fucking idiot. But also, like, I can fucking respect the hustle of just, like, fucking, fuck you, bitch. (laughs) Like, just. Now we're even. I'll pull my pants down. Now we're even. (laughs) Um, I thought it was funny in the Platinum Notes they mentioned uh, in writing Asuka, uh, Ano defined her entire character. He, he, it It said he understood her character after writing two lines, the first one being, this is my chance. And the second one being, uh, what are you, what are you stupid? Uh, which <sighs> are two catchphrases. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, like the fucking two lines she says, basically like, sums up her entire character in, in sure. like less than, uh, in just a few words. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about and, right. Uh, so, yeah. So they've, they've, uh, They've come to pick her up along with Unit Two. Uh, the like we said, the U.S. Navy has is the is the running this operation, and they don't like nerve either. Um, we get the old uh, captain of the, or the, or the or of the fleet who's like, mm-hmm. you know, sick of babysitting kids and their toys. Yeah, yeah, right. This fucking this fucking captain who wouldn't look out of place, like in command of like a ship that is supporting the space battleship Yamato. <laughs> Yes, yeah. you know, would probably like get killed early in the battle, but like you yes. know, dude has that look down, Pat. Yeah, he's a he, he's a he's a very classic grizzled old captain guy. Look, yeah, keeps keeps referring to the uh, the Ava units as a uh, kids' toys. Yes. Um, so you know, he's not super happy about this either. But uh, we also uh, meet, meet another pretty important character we meet uh kaji yeah yes hmm. interesting guy uh apparently uh yeah i feel like <laughs> go ahead go ahead sorry Jim. go ahead no. go ahead oh i was just gonna, i was just gonna say i feel like i feel like the introduction of asuka and kaji is like i mean you know we talk about how asuka's like introduction to this show kind of immediately establishes like a very different like tone and status quo for the anime but they're also just like on a personal level, the introduction of Asuka and Kaji, it's just like Oh, here are like two new, like kind of annoying characters <laughs> that I don't actually like that much. 
Yeah. <laughs> Kaji is like um, their personalities are yeah. so he's difficult to say the least. He's uh what's the word I'm looking for? He's a, a creep. creep. <laughs> yes. Um he apparently has some uh some past history with Misato, which of course he immediately brings up. And uh we have the <laughs> the extremely awkward like lunch or whatever where where everybody's sitting at the table and oh god yeah and uh you know he's saying all kinds of suggestive things about Misato to Shinji he's also like vis- visually also he's like trying to do footsies with Misato under the table yes yes and she's having none of it yes just the kind of like good visual storytelling like he's, right. he's like oh so tell me elevates the show like, oh, so tell me like, Shinji does she still roll around in bed and you know stuff like that uh Right, stuff I like that. Which... Everyone freaks out except Shinji. <laughs> During well, that, dude, was like, I love that. Uh, Shinji's just like, well, yeah, I guess. If we're gonna and everyone else, if we're gonna talk <laughs> like, about ah. um, comedic timing. How everybody strikes that same like shocked pose. The, the sh- sh- pose. Yeah. Yes, the fucking Osamatsu pose. And they yes. all they hold it for the entire scene, except for Asuka slinks out of it when she gets mad because she's in love with Kaji. Right, yes. They also kind of introduced, like, immediately that, like, yes, like, Asuka has a crush on Kaji, which is like, I, girl, you, I'm sure you can do better than Kaji. Maybe, <laughs> so he's maybe like, Kaji, like, like, yes. Maybe, like, maybe Kaji later shows some of the, the qualities that makes him so, like, uh, attractive, but, like, for now, I'm just like, man, this dude is, like, yeah. I don't know, like, like I, you know, again, I don't want to, like, I mean, we'll get into this in episode nine, but, like, I feel like, you know, at least even now, like, even if it is not explicitly sexual harassment, like Kaji is certainly like <sighs> a creep. His, the work, the work he does for Gendo and Nerve as a whole must be very important if they keep him on yes. the payroll. Which so, uh, so I don't go ahead. What I'm about to say is I, something I feel like I remember from the show, but it might have been supplementary material or something, or it might just be entirely false. But, uh, was Kaji supposed to be like Asuka's guardian when she was in Germany? Um, I don't remember. I I don't think that comes up I, in this episode. I, if it does come up in right, all, but. I, I don't know if it comes up at all. But like, I feel like that's something. Like in my head, that's like, oh yeah, that's what it was. But yeah, watching but, the show now, I'm like, I don't know about I, this. I, 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 Is that real? I honestly don't remember. Um, but I that sounds like that could be right. I don't know, man. I haven't watched this thing in a long time. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, she does say in this episode, doesn't she say she hasn't seen him in a long time or something? I mean, not that would really matter, but yeah. Um, well, I guess you're right because he's who knows he's got some other stuff going on, as we'll see. Uh, but yes, we are we are told that Kaji is also here along for the ride because he has to uh, uh, transport something important to uh, yeah to Nerve yeah. HQ. So that is his justification for being right. here. So you know, unit O two. Yeah, sure. I'm sure right. that's what. Uh, yes, that's of course. What referring yes. To. So yes. Uh, clearly. So um, <laughs> you know, Asuka is kind of excited to meet the, the you know the third child because she's heard about him, and then when she meets Shinji, she's not super impressed. But she, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's just like a milk toast kid or whatever. Nevertheless, I think it's I think it's more that just fucking Asuka is fucking extra enough to make up for both Shinji and Rei. <laughs> like, like, he, here's the thing, right? Like, you, you know, y'all know me. Like, I, I got nothing against, like, you know, fucking energetic, spunky pilot, you know, with a lot of heart. 
Uh-huh. Like, you know, I love my, like, Norikos and, like, you know, Noahs and, you know, such of the world. But, like, Asuka... A little too much, G? Too much for you? Could really stand to fucking tone it down, like, maybe three notches. <laughs> like, like, she's just so fucking, like... on her specific like fucking brand of bullshit you know like just I don't even a little little... yeah kinda yeah yeah. just like I will say watching the show for the first time (laughs) I did not like Asuka by the end of the series I liked Asuka Oh, don't get me wrong. I've watched I've watched enough fucking fight scenes on YouTube to know that like Aka can, can fucking bring the ruckus. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying based on early introductions here, like the fact that there was an entire ge- like the fact that there was an entire generation of Otaku who saw Asuka and were like, "Oh man, I want to fuck that." <laughs> like like I thought, like I thought, I thought the Ray waifuing was maybe bad, but I feel like now I'm also beginning to equally question the people who waifued uh, Asuka at least based I, on not, her like initial. I'm not going to put. Uh, uh, I'm not going to put well, those just people wait. in the same category as uh, the, the Ray fans. But uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you know what happens later in the show just as well as I do, Joe. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, look, I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> anyway Asuka drags yes. drag Shinji over to brag about her yes. Evangelion. Nevertheless, despite not being impressed with Shinji, she still wants to make sure he uh, sees... Like, you, do, you doing well in yours doesn't count because it was a prototype and mine is way better than yours. because yes, this is like the first real Evangelion. Cause you- yeah, I mean, as as we've been seeing in the opening every time, uh, you know, test type... Oh, Test type zero, test type O one, and production model O two. Yes. So yeah. I've always, I mean, again, this is a very like this is only my fucking stupid brand of like nitpicking, but like you know, I get it, right? Unit one is like the main character of the mechs of the AV unit, so of course it's gotta look the coolest. Uh-huh. But like I always found it very funny that like unit zero very much looks like a prototype. Like it's a like a basic stripped down version. Uh-huh. You don't want like <laughs> fucking weird ass. Everything from like the fucking like like the horn to the face, like the creepy grin it's got, like the fucking like the fucking like purple and green Jordans it's wearing. <laughs> like like Unit One is like <laughs> like Unit Zero prototype, I believe it. Unit two? Like mass production type, I'm like, yeah, that looks about right. Unit one is looks less like a prototype and more like the fucking like blinged out version oh, that the, would be piloted by like the dark you know. Yeah, right, right. exactly, exactly. That's a perfect way to describe it. Well, you know, it's the prototype. It's got like all the bells and whistles and weird stuff they wanted to try, and then when they realized, oh, we can't do that, they had to pare it down for uh the mass production. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what it is, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. I mean, as she's showing off her Ava, an angel attacks! Yes, convenient. Perfect timing. Uh, attack from the sixth angel, which... Yes, and conveniently ocean-based. Yes, big fish. Which uh, looks like a giant, like, manta ray or something like that. And uh, so... Uh, Asuka's gotta, go, gotta fight it. 
and we get a pretty cool. Yeah, this is her chance to fight yes. a, a, an angel for the first time. It's her chance. Yeah, and uh, we get <laughs> exactly. Lot, I know what I don't get is why she decides to drag Shinji with her, like right, you know? and then like makes him wear like a fucking what, like a, a spare yeah, plug suit she had lying around yes. or something. Um. Well, she wants to. She wants. That, uh, she very... wants to show off to this kid who, you know, apparently everybody's been talking about. I'm sure that's what it is. Right. But uh, it's a pretty cool sequence we get here, though. Yo, this is a cool uh, fucking. Entrance. I mean, this is a like, famous, famous, famous sequence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like one of the things that you know I know of Ava from cultural osmosis, just like. But it's still a cool. It fucking, is undeniably like, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> like just. It's a cool intro. Got the cloak and shit. Yep. Like, right. Like it's it doing some cool shit. The, just like jump tarp, between boats. It's the tarp over its pool around its like a cloak. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's a, it's got a fucking cool knife. I fucking love that it's progressive knife is a box cutter. <laughs> like, that's so good. Like, that's, that's, that's just such a like fucking cool, like dumbass design flourish. Right. Mm. And, uh, yeah. So she's got to like, uh, <laughs> It's only got like sixty seconds of power, so she has to like jump jump around the uh, the aircraft carriers to get to the one that has the uh, the power cable. Uh, yes, <laughs> um, and uh, so they try to uh, fight the angel somewhat unsuccessfully because they do not have their water equipment on. <laughs> I guess the tapi equipment sold separately. Yes. <laughs> Again, I love it. I love those details. So um, they get. Kind of eaten, I guess. <laughs> they get dragged into water. Yeah, and that's an accurate uh, description. Time for fishing. Which means it's time for another uh, crazy Masato plan, which this is a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, so they get eaten, but they're still plugged in uh, to the power cable. So it's kind of like they have a fish on the line. Yes. I have a feeling the thing was probably strong enough to snap the cable, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, I feel like talking about that's an Eva level cable right there. (laughs) The power cable in Evangelion is like maybe has the most inconsistent power level of all of the entities. Yes, (laughs) like sometimes some great. Go ahead. Like sometimes I think it's fucking cut up or split apart immediately. You're like, oh shit, we lost the cable. And then you got episodes like this where the cable is just it'll, 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 nah, it's, it's like fine. Ava's varying size, you know. Uh, it's whatever <laughs> looks cool at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we get some great shots of it like s- scraping on the su- the top of the carrier and knocking all of the planes into the water. Yeah. We also get this great bit where when it gets underwater, we see that like oh, they're actually like above like the remnants of old like right old japan right like like because you know initially you think oh they're just you know going over the pacific ocean and and technically you are correct but they are also sailing over parts of the pacific ocean that only exist in a post second impact world where everything's been flooded right like they don't lean into it too heavily but like it is these kind of details i love that kind of like hint at just like how like how genuinely apocalyptic the world of Evangelion right. is. This is not like, the world we live in. There's a, this is a very different right. world. Like there's like there's a bit earlier that like I think again, only like a fucking military nerd like me or Kensuke would notice, but like they talk about how like Ava Unit Two is being is being like escorted by like the entire American Navy. It's like and it's like nine ships or something. It's like nine right. ships. Like 
that's like we had more ships like <laughs> we had more we had more ships left after Pearl Harbor than the American Navy has now in Evangelion. Right. Like and you know that could easily just be the case of like writers not understanding scale but I, also yeah, I don't like think so that you know the implication of like uh, if this is all you have left and like you don't even have the resources to build more anymore like mm-hmm. what the fuck did second impact do to the rest of the world yeah. like to leave it in yeah. such dire straits i do like how during this battle asuka is like continuously surprised by whatever the angel's doing and Shinji's always like, yep, that's an angel. <laughs> They're fucked up. Right, like, they, right, like they kind of immediately established that, like, like Asuka, you know, she keeps somehow this is her chance, and that's because... She's never fallen. Exactly. So, like, like, for all of her bluster as the gray pilot of Yuna O2, she has never fought an angel. Right. But then that also kind of, like, immediately, like, I'm not going to say justify, but explains why she is so eager to prove herself, you know? Yeah. Like... Because she has heard the stories of, oh, the third child and Unit 1 and all these angels they've single-handedly taken down. And it's like... Finally, I get to pilot my robot, the thing that makes right. me special. Right. Like, there's this kind of feeling of, like, I have to do this. Because otherwise, like, you know, what is even the point of me being around if I cannot prove my worth? Right. You know? So, the uh, like we said, they basically get eaten. And Masato comes up with her her new crazy plan because uh, the angel conveniently has a uh, you know red glowy weak point inside its mouth. I mean, they all like, do, uh, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, all they do. Like, yes, uh, every of course. Yes. Like like yeah. a good like sixteen bit boss, uh, video game boss. Yes, they're, they're gonna have. I mean, like you know, fuck. In retrospect, like you know, I was talking about Die Guard earlier. I just re- remembered. Oh right, the monsters in. Diegard also had like <laughs> like every single one of them their whole gimmick was oh they have this one specific weak point that has to be pierced by like a drill type weapon or something like the putty patrol you gotta hit them on the chest and they uh, exactly exactly like and like and fuck just like the angels each heterodyne kind of introduced a new like fucking gimmick to like protect its you know vulnerable one shot weak point yeah. right so uh yeah just lure it yeah, in on the line. So the plan, well, it's a little more than that, I guess. The plan is to lure it in, uh, have Unit 2 prop the mouth open, and uh, they're going to ram two other battleships into the mouth and fire at the weak point. Yeah. As you do. As you I do. Mean, that's the most logical course of action at this stage. And yeah. Which... I feel like, boy, that's a hell of a fucking thing to pull off because, like, when you say ram two battleships into it, but, like, they're ramming the battleships into it. Yes, underwater. They, right. They, like, they're they not scuttle the ships to do it. Like they have, they they basically scuttle the battleships and then have them sink at such an angle. This isn't like uh, that, yeah. This isn't like pushing toy ships in a bathtub. Like these are like <laughs> yeah. You, no, you have no, to like uh, yeah. But you know, nevertheless, uh, and in the middle of all of this, also I like to me- I, I want to point out that uh, you know Kaji being the fucking uh, heroic yes. uh, nerve member he is fucking gets into a plane and bails the fuck out yes. of here. Because <laughs> he's, he's got a because he's got an important briefcase. An important delivery. Yes. So yes. Uh, heroically he takes off while this is happening. And uh, you know of course the, the crazy low percentage plan works again 
they blow up the angel and uh, day is saved once more. And, uh, you know, like we mentioned, Kaji took off and uh, we, we do get a bit of uh, what we do see what he had in the box, which uh, he takes yes. again. Yeah. And uh, creepy little, yeah, a little like thing. embryo fetus thing or something, which they refer to as uh, Adam, which mm-hmm. uh, not subtle <laughs> not, at all, not subtle <laughs> at all. And uh, I, I wanted to just read the excerpt from the platinum notes on this one, which was uh, sure. You know, Adam's existence is one of the greatest mysteries in the show. Could it be related to <laughs> the Adam that appears in the Old Testament? <laughs> also the name of adam's wife in the old testament is eve or ava oh geez i wonder (laughs) shit i take it back i don't care right for shit (laughs) this is is where that's why this is where all this uh, see i'm glad i live in an era where the the where we can see that and laugh and not ascribe any meaning to it deadly serious discussion in the right, like, that's sure, it's kind of, it's sure, kind of interesting of to like say how like how because of Western society we naturally ascribe more meaning to the, like this mythos uh, that this show comes over and is starting to talk about Adam and Eve and angels and shit, and so we as- like we ascribe a deeper like meaning to it of like what does it mean yeah, exactly. Oh, like what's what's the deeper like connection here, of like behind the scenes of Evangelion, when actually, nah, <laughs> they just aliens or yes. whatever. I mean, I think you know it, it kind of speaks to this idea that like you know whether if you're from the, from the west or the east, like people are drawn to what they consider the exotic, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it can lend a mythos I lo- to. Like, I love that Jap- Japanese media culturally appropriates. <laughs> Like Christianity as hard as the West appropriates Asian mysticism. Yeah, like and with, with with roughly the same amount of thought or lack of, <laughs> lack thereof put into it. You know, uh-huh. just like oh, I thought it was cool. Or I thought it sounded to me. Uh, yeah, but uh, so but I yes. thought that was a good opportunity to mention that part. I figured it would get a good laugh, but uh, the. But who fucking cares about that? Because the real important thing about the the end of this episode is the fucking new remix of Fly Me to the Moon that they feature. Like, Bossa Nova remix or whatever. Fucking, it is so extra. Like, oh my god, it is. So, (laughs) we did talk about last time how they they changed the ED for the, whoever's like kind of the star of that. Yeah arc or whatever and of course this is oscar's arc so uh they you know they 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 give the ed to her and they give kind of give it an appropriate uh bump in tempo add some beats to it, it uh and uh i th- i personally i mean i i think they're just because you know Oscar's supposed to be more energetic or whatever i also just think they're trying to cover the fact her actress cannot sing um ah <laughs> uh, yeah cool but uh <laughs> fair fair I, fair it's uh, it's interesting to say the least. I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, yeah, I, I I I like it for maybe all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I don't but... know if I'm gonna bump that in the car with the windows rolled down, but uh, uh I mean, I don't think I would bump any fucking version of Fly <laughs> Me to the Moon. Just I cannot. I mean, Sinatra I you version. know. 
I just have too many associations with that song in the same way that I will probably never be able to listen to classical music ever again. Uh, thanks to, uh, you know, a certain 1988 science fiction OVA, yeah. but, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I did find a note here that, uh, I mean, not to, not to go back to the start of this episode, but I found a note here that says that the, uh, ship captain and his subordinate are character design reuses from Nadia Blue Water. I believe that. I, yep. I, I, I would believe that. Checks, that. Checks out. <laughs> you know, I mean, that seems like a move Anno would pull, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So moving on. on. Oh, I think we, yeah. I, I I forgot to mention at the end of episode eight, is that when they reveal Asuka's been transferred to their school? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes, of course. The other fresh new transfer student. The other super enemy. The other, uh... Asuka Soryu Langley. (laughs) What a fucking name. Jesus Christ. Um, So that leads us into episode nine, which is uh, the Uh infamous Both of You Dance Like You Want to Win, or... Hell moment yeah. and heart together, but nobody cares about that because both of you dance like you want to win is a fantastic title, one of many very long uh, fantastic yeah, they, titles. Uh, that's yeah, favorite kinda, episode. Yeah, I like this episode a lot, you know. But you know, it just uh, you know, we can kind of just kind of get into it, you know. Just uh, we open up with Asuka. the the, the montage of Kensuke's creep yes. shots of okay. Asuka. Kensuke is a businessman. <laughs> All right. Like I don't, he's you just know, this fucking like sheet of here's the pictures here. If you want, which pictures do you want? Look, I think, I think, look, I think, I think Kensuke gets it. I don't think Kensuke himself is a creep, but he realizes the world is filled with creeps, and and thought and there is money to I, be made off of them. I don't know. Like, a huge stack of I think I think he's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's complaining kind about uh, taking pictures of the girls changing with his super telephoto lens. I don't know, man. Like, Kensuke gives me the vibe that he'd rather be taking pictures of tanks, but, like, he gets that, like, tanks don't make, don't, don't, don't pay the bills the same way. Uh, uh, what's it? What's <laughs> it? Shots of the, uh, girls oh, look at Ray's boobs and thighs conversation. Yeah. yeah. yeah he he was. Wasn't, wasn't that him? And he keeps showing up at Shinji's house to say, hi, Miss Misato. Oh, that's Misato. Look, How any, any, I mean, any fucking healthy 14 year old um, boy would do the same. Yeah. So anyway, this kind this is their way of uh, kind of giving us a montage to show that Asuka is super popular at school. Everyone's like, "Oh, who's that hot foreigner?" and all that stuff. Uh, Uh But all the girls girls, are sick of her. Yeah, all the girls hate her, and all the boys love her. But it kind of does like immediately establish like the dynamic of like who Asuka is and like what she like seeks to do because like. Mm -hmm. Because, because, like, you, you get a feeling for, like, her character or the character she portrays herself as when she comes to school is, like, she's eating this shit up. She wants all like, the, she loves the attention. Like, this is not like, oh, accidentally I ended up becoming the most popular student. No, she wants to be the most right. popular student. Wears like, her pilot clips in her hair at all times. Right. Like, she wears her identity on her sleeve. And, like, you know, we kind of... And hell, like she's like same thing with like what she did with Shinji. She kind of seeks out Ray to try to immediately establish like dominance <laughs> in the relationship. Um, like get this great bit of her, like like put your papa, you know, try to like stand over Ray, cast a shadow on her. This is the only and, time like, I think I ever liked Ray when Ray's like, "I'll be your friend if I'm ordered to." <laughs> 
Yes, and I, I, I do love the reveal that, like, Asuka is fucking standing on, like, a fucking, like, f- uh, 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 like, planter yeah. or something. A planter or something to get the height needed to cast a shadow right. on Rey. Um, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Worth noting, Asuka and Rey do not mix at all, and, like, it's not even like they don't get along, like, it's literally, like, oil and water, like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And I- I, I, like I said, you know, I feel like at the beginning of this podcast, I feel like Asuka's introduction, like these two girls kind of like, they kind of define the tone of of the show, depending on which one is in the spotlight, right? Like, yeah, and like these two episodes have been Asuka in the spotlight and we see this like very, very intentional shift in the tone of right. Evangelion. Right. The, the Ray mm. 1, Ray 2 episodes were like, kind of more somber and like serious and like introspective and all that. And Asuka's two episodes here have been like big, bold, bright colors action. I mean, I mean, you know, the Asuka episodes have been as nineties <laughs> anime as you can get. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And we find out that Kaji is also like, Semi-permanently transferred yes. over here. He, he is and sticking around, unfortunately. He's groping Ritsuko. Yeah. Although, like, he, you, we kind of get some dialogue that's basically, like, he and Ritsuko and Misato all grew up right. together. And so yes. they t- t- tolerate his antics to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they kind of hint at, yes, there has been, there is a... There's kind of a deep relationship between the three. I mean, there's that... a fo- there's a photo of younger them in in the opening flashes. Yeah. Oh, is there? Yes. But maybe we should do frame by frame of that next episode or something. And I mean, you know, look, I got to be honest. I like that opening enough, but I also like kind of zone out is when it, it's just uh, flashing all that yeah, random sure. bullshit because, like, is that an... here's a chance for me to shoehorn in that. Now that I've mentioned the bongo drum track in the opening, you will never be able to unhear it. Yeah, you might as well bring that up. You know, just, I haven't uh, listened. Gel, have you noticed the I bongo drums? In I haven't the listened opening? since you noticed since you mentioned it. I'm kind of hoping I'll forget before I see it again. <laughs> no, you won't. It's like, like, once it's you like see- Mario's just riding Yoshi in the back or something. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Once once you once you know the sound <laughs> of the bongos, once you recognize the bongo sound in the op. <laughs> It'll never go away. Like it's kind of just always there, and you're like, and like if you ever needed more proof that like Evangelion truly was like a product of the '90s, like having fucking a bongo drum like baseline going on in the background is like it's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you realize, oh, this truly is a yeah. '90s anime. I, I uh, all right. I'll I'll bite the bullet and listen uh, <laughs> next time, but uh. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, <laughs> yes, yes, sorry. So, uh, uh, fucking, we we saw Misato and Ritsuko, Ritsuko and uh, Kaji all have some kind of history. I don't know if that's another anime that could have been written of their younger days, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, but but suddenly, suddenly, blood pattern blue. The, the seventh angel shows up, and the angels are showing up yes, like fucking rats, man. And, uh, like, Asuka can't wait to get out there. And uh, fight this thing on ground this time. Uh, so they they choose to sortie uh, her and Shinji together, and she takes like a like a halberd or something like like some kind of like 
speeder. It's fucking cool, man. <laughs> Sick airdrop yeah. too. So she just yeah. runs out there and cuts the thing in half. Kind of uh, channeling her inner yes. dragoon here. Oh, fancy <laughs> jump and uh, cuts the thing in half. And uh, but, uh, which being a dumbass, she misses yes. the fucking weak point. Like, well, voids yeah, the she, core. She doesn't, she doesn't cut the core. And then also, it's revealed that this one has two cores because uh, once she cuts it in half, the two halves each grab a core, and now there's two angels. Yeah, uh, and those I, I love that they just cut away and don't actually show. Yes, uh, they just fucking fight. cut to what is maybe like the fucking funniest like single image I've ever seen in this show up till now. <laughs> they are showing the aftermath of the battle where Eva units one and two are just like fucking Looney Tunes style, just like stuck yes. in the dirt, like feet up, <laughs> just sticking straight out of the ground. It's <laughs> unbelievably yes. hilarious um, just like <laughs> yeah so much better that they didn't show it and just cut to that like right they're just like oh well it, it cuts it cuts to them watching the f- like embarrassing footage uh which is just a great... yes yes and then we have uh, uh so they're like reading the report it's like after one minute you, you know you know one was defeated and after another 20 seconds you know two was defeated Yes, it's so good, and like I, I I don't remember the name of the old guy yet. Like the one who's like always, yeah, Fuyutsuki, right? Like dude is like fucking like face and palm, just kids gotta get your act together. Very like (laughs) exasperated about all of this shit. Yeah, like I feel like knowing that like episodes nine through twelve are directed by the guy who directed Die Guard now makes a lot more sense because like. He's like, this now, specific, we to, like, now we have to redrop the map after dropping right, another right. nuke on this thing. Yes, yes. Like, they say that they were only able to stop the angel by dropping another nuke. And, like, there's that great line. It's like, yeah, we we gotta redraw the map of Tokyo again. Like, and, like, it's it's that specific, like, tone and, like, of exasperation that reminds me so much of Die Guard because, like, that is a show where, like, it is all about the higher-ups, like, sighing heavily every time Die Guard, like, trips and crashes into an apartment complex or like picks up a car and throws it as a weapon you have like some old dude in a suit being like oh god that's like another 40 pages of paperwork (laughs) yeah which is uh exactly what happens to masato yes the past couple episodes yeah pretty much like he's doing something important something shady i bet so um so yeah, they've, they've got this angel that now has two cores and is capable of splitting up and they determine mm-hmm. the only way to beat it is if they can hit the cores at exactly, you know, break the cores at exactly the same time. But how are they going to do it? Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, Kaji comes to Misato with an yes. idea. So uh, they uh, come up with this new crazy plan uh, where they're going to have to learn this like dance sequence to, uh, right. <laughs> that they'll do in the Evangelions in sync. They have to and hit the core yes. at the same right. time. The Asuka. So Asuka is now moved in with uh, Misato yes. and Shinji, and not in the right. one of the five dozen empty apartments yeah, in the right. complex. How else are they going to train right. like, and get in sync with each other if they yeah. don't live in the same house? Huh? Yes. Yeah. Weird. Uh, Asuka and Shinji must train to become <laughs> compatible. Yes, that is exactly what is happening here. So, uh, yep. Asuka has got a shack up with Shinji, uh, much to the shock of their friends. 
I, this was always one of my favorite lines. This was always one of my favorite lines from the dub when uh, Hikari, who finally uh, gets a few lines in this episode, but Hikari. Uh, right. I forgot. Like, I didn't realize she didn't show yeah. up at all, really, she until here. Yeah. Like, no, this is like the first time I like. And even then. No, but yeah. like, I consider her as like a secondary character almost. So, so <laughs> one of my favorite lines from the dub, because I don't think they translate it in the subs like this, but uh, in the dub, when. Uh, when the when they 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 show up to to um check on Shinji and Asuka because they've mm-hmm. been out of school because Masato's basically having them train all day and uh they they go and knock on the door and uh Shinji and Asuka come out talking at the same time and wearing the same outfits and everything and they wearing the same fucking awful like nineties like, dancer <laughs> yes and, like and uh you know they reveal that odd that they're living together and uh Hikari is like you know, she she yells out, "You're living in sin." <laughs> so very uh, yeah. sure. I feel like I feel like Kensuke and Toji shouldn't be so surprised because they saw Shinji in the last episode uh, wearing yes. Asuka's uh, plug suit. Which... I mean, they, they they say have a line that's like, "Oh, wearing matching outfits yes. again." Yeah, you know, we didn't mention about the fucking one-off joke that uh. These plug suits are apparently custom well, they would be form fit so. the uh each pilot yes. and so So uh <laughs> right, Shinji is wearing a plug suit cut for a girl. I Kensuke, Kensuke yes. was taking yes. very enthusiastically taking pictures. I'm just gonna look again, yeah, Kensuke is sure, a business. I'm sure there's a market for that somewhere, but uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we gotta play like DDR maybe meets Twister yes. to so, so to sync we get up our here. training montage. This whole episode is just kind of fun, right? Like, and I like yeah, this episode so much. Really, so we get this totally. whole training montage, like like Iro said, of them basically playing DDR to like get in sync with each other. Do like a like we we get a deeper look at Asuka's personality too, where she's like, yeah, I I, I can't dare to like deign myself to sync with like this idiot over here. Just send with me a bottle. I'll right. do it. Uh, and so Misato's like, well, okay, Ray, get up there to, uh, to do the sync right. test. And so we, when we know already that Ray is kind of buddies with Shinji and they sync right. up fine. You know? Ray continuing to be the ultimate tool oh, of I... emotional manipulation for everyone here. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Kind of, kind of plays on Asuka's of like highly specific, like insecurities here, you know, of like, there's like very obvious like need and no, desire I to need prove to herself. Yeah, I yeah. think I think um you could even say this starts to tie back around to when Shinji's trying to figure out why he pilots the 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 Evangelion and he asks Ray about it and I think we're in, indirectly we're kind of seeing why is Asuka a pilot. Uh I think we'll yeah, you know yes. get more into in other episodes too, but this is kind of the start of that like you 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 learn cuz like in that moment there's kind of like the they kind of calm it down a little bit where she's kind of runs off pouting into the convenience store and Shinji follows after her and they kind of have that that moment on the sunset and you know Shinji kind of smiles cuz like he's starting to understand her um and uh yeah so we 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 kind of get to know what's going on in her head a little bit more but um 
get a montage set to the next episode yes. music. Some, some uh, very so well-timed use of the, so uh, the preview music over this this uh, training montage. It's a great 30-second montage music. Yes. Like, yes. It, it, it works out and, super uh, great. <laughs> I like, there's a lot of good little visual touches in this episode as well. Like, yeah. Asuka's, yeah. Like, when she slams the sliding door, it slides back a little bit. <laughs> it bounces a little like bit. Right, yes. she and Shinji are eating in the montage, Shinji's got chopsticks, but she has got a fork. Yes, it's... I think, like, you know, and I were talking about this the other day, but I feel like... I feel like in this specific episode, it kind of really exemplifies, like, kind of what we often talk about as, like, that that intangible quality that is, like... The, the Gynax. The gyna- yeah, like, the Gynax touch to animation. Like... In the same way that, like, people talk about, like, oh, like, the UFO table or, like, the Kyoani or, like, the Bones style of animation, you know, whether that's, you know, exploding blocks or, like, you know, we talking about the Gynax bounce here? Like, uh, uh, certainly a version of it, yes, but, uh, I think it's, like, it kind of speaks to, like, Gynax, like, maybe, you know, maybe it's only because, you know, like, you know, we we've been talking about it lately but i feel like in many ways maybe gynax is like the fucking like is the symphony of the night of japanese <laughs> animation studios of like i think well, gynax is like more the specific than the way that i talk about symphony of the night yes sure yes that's fine yes. that's the way hero <laughs> talks about symphony well, like, of the all night. the weird one-off shit in that right. game the unique assets that serve no purpose other than to create right. flavor yeah, like, I think Gynax is, like, you know, like, you know, if the thing we talk about Gynax being the kings of, like, the first thing is, like, timing, then I think the other thing is they are the kings of, like, that kind of flourish. Like, you know, like, the very tiny visual flourishes that, like... They're making things think, with love. Right, I think they show, like, the, the really, like, how deeply these people think and care about the thing they're doing, you know? Like, like the thing we joke about is, like, you know, in, like, uh, uh, Gundam, uh, Reconquista and G, or as, as often known, g Reco. like, yeah, you know... Just sneak, just, we should just sneak g Reco in every podcast. Instead. We should always do that. The group of anime we mentioned in every single podcast, regardless of topic. I already yeah. want to shout out but Pokemon like, Sun like, yeah, so like, while we're at it, too. <laughs> Yeah. yeah sure <laughs> but you know it's just like you know i won't get into g reco too much you know for those who haven't watched it but like you know there's just like an incidental scene in g reco where like a, a mecha pilot has like opened up their cockpit and like they're putting up like mosquito netting around their cockpit because they're in the jungle and like you think to yourself you're like oh like yeah of course you would put up mosquito netting if you were piling a giant <laughs> robot in the jungle but like how come only one anime ever thought of this, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like this very weird, like, obsessive attention to detail that, like, I think Gynax really excels at. And I think we really see that in, like, full display uh, here in this episode yeah. of Evangelion. So, um, the, uh, the, training, the training montage ends, and we're now at the night before the battle. Uh, right. I- Iroh mentioned uh, the Asuka slamming the screen door, which want- made me want to go on one small tangent here. This was actually in the Platinum Notes, but I did actually know this reference. Uh, when, she, okay. when she says, you know, this is going to be like the Wall of Jericho, because she... No notable for crumbling well, yes. down. So, so uh... the, the, the direct reference to the Wall of Jericho, that's like a story in the Bible where the wall notably falls down. Uh, but the... Uh, <laughs> which... which in the context of 
an impenetrable wall so that you don't do anything to me while I'm sleeping in the middle of the night is probably not the best reference. Right. Like, but I also, also like say, like, is may or may not be intentional. Well, yes, right. that's, that is that's, intentional. So, so, wait, is so the, the so the actual right. reference like, that's being made here is to uh, a movie from 1934 named "It Happened One Night," which is like the original romantic comedy. Um, if if you okay. watch it. Huh. Because okay. 1934 is a really long time ago. That's like, what, 85, 85 years ago? Uh, if you watch yeah. it, it actually feels pretty modern. Like It's like almost like the template for like the modern-day romantic comedy. You have the, like, act, you have the, like, what, you have, like, the act two breakup? Yes, there's all, all kinds of... To do, to do something right. silly to... Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff like that or... in there. It feels pretty modern. It's uh, starring, uh, like, Clark Gable and, like, all that, but it's an old movie. Anyway, there's there, the scene where that comes from, they're forced to stay... I forget, like in a hotel or something together. And uh, the woman puts up like a clothesline with a blanket and said, this, you know, this is the, this is, you know, the impenetrable wall of Jericho or whatever the line is. And uh, so they, they do that like every night. Cause they're like, they're like, they're running away for something from something like they're on the road. Or something. Uh, and so, like, okay. I mean, the wall of Jericho, how many, it was so many days. Yes. Before so of course at the end of right. the movie, like the last scene, it, it just shows the, the blanket coming down after they've gotten together. But um, <laughs> uh-huh. yes, so that's specifically uh, what uh, uh, this was referencing. And that's actually a pretty good movie if you like those kinds of movies. So uh, that's that's actually the very specific reference they were making on this one. Man, uh, okay. Fucking, I guess I guess Asuka's a movie connoisseur yeah, really knows so. the deep cuts. Like, uh, just, uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if, you're, if you're into old movies, it's actually a pretty big name old movie. But like, yes, your average person is not going to remember what that movie was. Um, I'm sorry. My parents watched a lot of Turner classic movies. No, it's, it's all lot. good. I'm just like, I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think I've fucking watched a movie made before like 1960 yes. or 70. Like, if I'm being yes. honest with so myself, if you, if you want the history of romantic comedies, watch that. And then, if you want the history of animated romantic comedies, watch Roman Holiday. Um, that's that's my recommendation. <laughs> anyway, um. So, so we're still on the night before here, which leads to a what I've noted as a series of unfortunate consent issues. Um, uh, Asuka gets up in the middle. So Asuka and Shinji are sleeping in the same room as part of their training. And she gets up in the middle of the night. And when she comes back, she like plops down like right next to Shinji, which, you know, we get the we get the visual of his uh, tape thing speeding up and everything and his heart racing. Yes. And uh I guess he goes uh-huh. in to make a move. I don't know what uh, yeah. what's happening here. <laughs> so, what's the implication here that like Asuka was sleepwalking or like accidentally went into the I wrong guess it was bed? Dark like I, she was, I, think like, I think it was just like yeah. habit, right? Because at the start she moves into the other room because. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I don't because sleep in the same room as you, but right, right. Because in the montage they show that they were originally right. sleeping. In so the same it's probably room. right. Yes. I don't. Yes. I, okay. I don't think the implication is that Oscar intended to. No, no, that's definitely not what I was implying. But it definitely, it just, it just you know, it feels like one of those. Like, I mean, a better explained one than most, but like yes. one of those just like right. anime how contrivances. We, how can we, you know, like get Shinji up in her chest in the next thirty seconds? Um, yeah, exactly. So I guess he goes in for the for a kiss or something until she says, uh mama in her sleep and that kind of turns him off but uh 
<laughs> that's a great way of putting uh, it. Uh, <laughs> which, and, and, yeah, and, and he yeah. and he gets up and moves, and he's like, "You're still a kid too," which I think is supposed to be a parallel to the next scene with perhaps well, some more yeah. uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, where where we see what happens when the the man goes all the way in this uh, situation. Mm, uh, kind of a creep. Yeah, Kaji moving in on Masato in the in in in, yes. in a, an elevator. Yeah. And, uh, Don't. And of course, she's she's keeping a close eye on the, the floor counter to know when she when it's okay for her to push him yes. away. I guess. Kind of well, hard to tell yeah, how much she's into yeah, it. You know, you you definitely. But, uh... <laughs> right there is there is this kind of difficult situation where like. You know, of course, Misato is like, you know, disgusted, it's and then Kanji's I, I, like, Kaji's yeah. like, you know, pulling the whole bullshit, like, oh, you know, you, you know, you, you, you say no, but your lips say yeah. yes, and it's like, Kaji, uh, that's okay, obviously Kaji a creep, but uh, like, that's a real fucking gross move. But then the problem, of course, is that like it shows her based like, on the kind of protesting, right? Yeah, like we we don't actually like know like. Or we don't really get a feeling for actually how how much Misato means it when she says she's not interested because we keep seeing these scenes you know up till now that very much hint at like you know she she, she has like a very like complicated relationship right. with Kaji yeah so yeah kind of a, a little Ritsuko kind of teases her for a bit yes yeah. Yeah. Yes. In the fucking nerve lounge or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They... Fucking looks like a room that fucking like you know Mittermeier <laughs> and Rayfall would be drinking in. The, yeah. Uh, that doesn't look like. What are you talking about? It doesn't look like Mittermeier's house. That's like the dining hall for the high admirals <laughs> of the Empire. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, so totally. uh, let's just get to the battle. Uh, next morning, time for the fight. Yeah. And one of the coolest yeah. segments in anime history. Yes. They they, they oh, play, so they good. Play. It's so fucking good. I was like, because you talk about like you've seen a lot of Ava clips and stuff, but like I feel like this is one yes. of the most famous. Uh, they play the music in real time. They put a counter like the timer in the corner for sixty two seconds, and they go through oh, the whole so like beautiful dance sequence of them fighting the angel. Ending with a giant double Inazuma kick, to, uh, kick. Yeah. To, to the cores Hell once yeah. the cores have merged again to uh, finally defeat the angel, and it's it's a fantastic yeah. bit of animation. Just like you know, uh, beyond just being a cool mech fight, like it's like it's a really impressive 62 <laughs> seconds. And like a lot of it is great because of the specific framework, because of the timer, because of the way it's built up to, but like. Like, you know, by, by like mech fight standard, 62 seconds is not very long, but like they really fucking pack it full 62 of 62 like, seconds was no filler, like no like cutting to the pilot and seeing what he's thinking or whatever. Right. It's yes, actually like exactly. unbroken action. Right. They, just, they just go. It's it's great. It's it's really neat. I, I think this, this is like like Ira said, this is like one of the, the clips you're going to see at some point, whether you've seen Evangelion or not, or you're going to hear about it. This is like one for yes, the history yes, books. Yeah. Yes, it's and, it's uh, cool as fuck. Yeah, it's kind of not much happens after that. They kind of uh, they, they show a little bit of the aftermath once uh, they've defeated the angel and the angels exploded. Uh, right. You know, Shinji and Asuka go back to bickering with each other. Yeah. I mean, yes, it returns to the '90s yes. anime status quo. Goofy, goofy yes. comedy animation. 
and then, oh, these two you know, shouting at each other. Right, and then Fuyutsuki's got his hand in his, he- his head in his hand again, you know. Oh, all... those kids. This right, is like, exactly, exactly. This is like you know, the, bickering the about perfect like, Monster that. of the Week episode on like every level. Yeah, um, totally. And, you know, I, I know we're running a bit long here, so maybe we make this conversation a bit shorter or save it for some of it for next time, but like, you know, I feel like I feel like this trio of episodes are fucking mecha anime as hell, y'all. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> like neither Jell nor I have ever claimed that Evan Gilling was not, not a mecha anime. Right, I'm not saying you guys have ever made that claim, but like, you know, like, as somebody who, like, you know, grew up knowing the legacy of Evangelion, you know, knowing, like, what people speak of it, or, like, what are the specific things people say when they talk about Evangelion, let me tell you, nobody ever talks about episodes 7 through 9, that's for sure. I don't know, everyone talks like, about, people talk about this episode. Sure, but, like, I feel like when people want to start getting all yeah. heady about, like, oh, what does Evangelion mean? I think, I think what people does talk about this episode a lot, like, in like, a bubble, and not, like... Yeah. No, like I like this episode a lot. I liked all three of these episodes a ton. And like, you know, I think it's like and here's don't get me wrong, I very much liked aspects of episodes one through six, but like mm-hmm. I feel like you know, I feel like again, like maybe this is just addressed at the very specific brand of Eva fan who tries to like, you know, uh, uh separate you know, you know, quote unquote, separate Eva from the rest of the rabble or tries to elevate it above, you know, the rest of the genre. But like, you know, episodes like these are just very solid, high quality, like mecha anime episodes, you know? um... And like, and and it's not like it becomes something different. Or here's the thing, like, it doesn't necessarily even become something that isn't Eva. Like, they still talk about like the undercurrent of like nerve as this shadowy organization. And it is still about relationships. But like, it has just been contextualized differently because of the arrival of a new character. You know, I, I'm trying to think how to say this without saying too much. This this is going to be a very (laughs) interesting, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the rest of the series go and how some of the conversations will inevitably have, I think toward the end, because I, I understand <laughs> why this these are not the things that people think of first. Right. And yeah. I personally don't think of these things first. I do think of them. Uh, but uh when I'm when I'm thinking about Evangelion, um and I think right. that like I said, I think that'll be an interesting conversation as we get deeper into the series and closer to of, the end. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but 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 these I are, mean, but you know, I mean, if we're talking I, I, about, if you told me to pick, and I think I mentioned this last week, if you told me to pick like, what is my favorite, my personal favorite sequence of, of Ava, it's probably episodes like eight to 12. Um, and sure. right in the, the, the thick mean, of it with these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, I guess what I mean is I don't, I'm not saying that I don't understand why, like when people talk about what is iconic about this series, why they are talking about like, the beginning and the end and, you know, the end of Evangelion specific, you know, the movie. Like, I get why that people talk about those as like the iconic things because of like their iconic imagery and, and dialogue and like, you know, narrative plot beats. I guess like for me, it's like, I feel like, I feel like some people talk about Ava with a very like selective memory. Right. That kind of like either they ignore this middle section or they treat the middle section as like the redheaded stepchild right. of the show's legacy. And I think it's more necessarily that like, 
I don't think it's that necessarily so much as 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 you saying that like these middle sections are very mech anime, and so when people talk about Evangelion, they talk about the things it does that are unique rather than the parts of course, that are yeah. quote unquote mech just mecha, right? You know. Like right, yes, no, I totally understand what you mean by that quote unquote. Yes. <laughs> but like, I guess for me, it's like I feel like these shows, these episodes are important. They are intrinsic to the fabric of what this show's identity right. is. You know, like you're always talking about people not appreciating that you need these parts for the other parts to work. They're not. They're not doing the. They're not right, seeing totally, the math totally. of that. Like you have to have both. <laughs> You, you know, you have to have all the aspects for Evangelion to be what it is. You can't just be like, oh, well, the mech, the mecha parts are there, but they're not important. Like, no, they are important. It's it's all one big, you know, puzzle that comes together into a, a right, exactly. Show. So, but uh, but yeah, I've been enjoying this. Uh, I, I've been thoroughly enjoying this. I mean, you know, I've been enjoying this show as a whole so far. But I feel like you know, like. You know, the way I talked about Ava in episodes one through six is very much like I was very much talking in the holistic sense about stuff it does like on a more like meta level, like its art direction and, you know, its approach to world building. But I feel like these episodes for me is like where I've been able to appreciate Evangelion purely as a piece of entertainment media. And uh, that has been fun. And now knowing that like the director of Die Guard directed episodes nine through twelve, and you, Jell, uh, you saying that this is like in probably, some yeah, ways you know, some of the high points of, uh, of the show. Now I'm very curious to what you know what's in store for us in episodes ten through twelve. I like the next few. Yeah, as well. there's some. There's a lot of good. It's just all round. It's real good over the next stretch. So, except for the one uh, recap episode that's going to be in there. <laughs> we, haven't talked, right. we haven't talked about what we're going to do about that oh. yet, but we'll, we'll probably. What do we do? Do we? There's, a, like, there's still some yeah, we'll probably, stuff we'll in there. Do it. Oh no, that's the worst we'll kind of recap like, episode because then you kind of have like to watch lot, it. Though. We'll probably just do like the four episodes or whatever, but we'll figure that out. We don't. That's not. That's not next week. It'll be the one after sure. that okay. episode after that. So. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so I think that'll do it. A little long, but I feel like we had some good discussion in there. So. um yeah, you know, for a for a trio of episodes, I initially started this podcast with, oh, we're not going to have much <laughs> well, to say yes. about these three. <laughs> Turns out oh, we did. Subtract so, 20 minutes yes. from Die Guard, and then we're, hey, we're that was an important about time. That, well, that was an important 20 minutes. I Everybody should watch Die Guard. I fuck, I, if you liked Evangelion, <laughs> you should watch Die Guard. And I'm not even, because I'm not even, like, joking about that. I think people who watched Evangelion and appreciated, like, it's the messages and themes that I have at least absorbed from this show so far, I think would all come to appreciate something for what Die Guard is doing, especially as a show that only came, like, like literally two, three years right. after Evangelion. Okay. Well, check out Die Guard, and uh, that's going to do it for, uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> let's uh do our housekeeping you can uh, read all of our content at theglorioblog.com you can follow us on twitter at theglorioblog you can check out this podcast our main podcast uh, the the glorio chat where we talk about the anime stuff and also uh legend of the glorio heroes where g and iroh talk about uh legend of the galactic heroes in case you couldn't pick that up from the many many references that we make all the time uh and uh, you can 
follow any of those podcasts on uh well i just started drawing a total blank it's not like i haven't done this a million times now uh itunes uh, google play spotify uh podbean we also post on youtube so you can go like comment or subscribe there uh tell your friends tell your enemies and uh i guess there's uh one more thing we got to do then you know, I did not set up this properly. Okay. I'm good now. I'm good oh, now. No. Ready. Uh, All right. Okay. Okay. Next time on Neon Genesis Evangelio, we'll talk about episode 10, Magma Diver. Episode 11, The Day Tokyo 3 Stood Still or In the Still Darkness. Episode 12, She Said Don't Make Others Suffer for Your Personal Hatred or The Value of Miracles. And stick around because we're going to give you that fan service. See you next time.